This AfriCast is sponsored by Hisense. Equip your home with the latest technology from Hisense. Whether you're looking for a new TV, appliances, or just a party speaker to keep the load-shedding blues at bay, Hisense offers a range of premium products that won't hurt your wallet. Find out more about UHD TVs and other Hisense electronics at hisense.co.za. and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lutz and joining me this week is Robin E. Chetty. Howdy. And uh, Clinton Massa. Yes, I'm here. I'm back from the dead. The prodigal yeah. son returns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Louis is away. He's uh, on, can we say? Can we say? Uh, I don't know. I think it's probably best for him too. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, Louis is away. He's fine. He's, He's not fine. <laughs> nothing <laughs> sinister is I was sick for the past month, but uh, yeah, Louis's Louis, fine. He's on good leave, not bad yeah. leave. Well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> you know, yeah. a matter of opinion. Anyway, uh, let's get into the news of the week this week. Uh, as South Africa continues to battle with the load shedding at various stages. You guys excited for 11 hours of stage three this week? We, I mean, this weekend? Well, we have been good boys and girls. We deserve it, I think. Yeah, I think I, I so. I got myself a, a Lego set. I'm going to build it in the dark. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a bit of a concerning one. Anyway, Robin, you've got some news about the South African post office. Yes. Um, that bastion of all things good and uh, the, I guess... Are we talking about the same post office? Yes, I'm being obviously sarcastic. <laughs> okay. um, so, it came to light in a recent uh, portfolio committee meeting um, that 92 additional post offices have been closed down as a result of SAPO not paying the landlords. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Specifically, uh, 50 of the 92 that were mentioned in a news release that the DA sent out earlier this week, 50 of those 92 were actually closed off to SAPO and its employees uh, due to non-payment of rent. Uh, so landlords are none too pleased with uh, how SAPO are operating at the moment. And I think the same probably goes for most people that have any interactions with SAPO. I guess speaking anecdotally, uh, three around my area that I used to live in closed down. Uh, we had to use the one in a halfway house in Midrand. Yeah. And that is the ninth ring of hell. It's just uh, terrible. I'll, ra- I'll raise you one. <laughs> Crest the post office is... Yeah, any post office in a mall, I think, is... Sorry, yeah. I, I just have to ask this. <laughs> Did the people who operate top of maybe send their rent money through the mail? Maybe. And they got lost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think it got that Checks far. Checks in the mail. Yeah. I don't even think it got that far. So, according to the DA, um, now, uh, the other 42 that uh, are closed down, are being closed down for, uh, as, a tra- as, a, as an exercise, as it were. Uh, optimization <laughs> exercise, which doesn't really Optimization? Seem, it doesn't really seem optimal to not be giving South African citizens- You can just say, mail. you can just say anything. <laughs> Nowadays, truth doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so yeah, it's a pretty dire situation for SAPO. Um, last week, during the budget speech, they were allocated 2.4 billion by the finance minister. Um, that sounds like a lot, but we also have to keep in mind that their debt total almost 5.4 billion. So that doesn't That's even cover stamps. half of the debt that this organization, well, this government entity is facing. So yes, it's gotten a lot of money. No, it will probably not tackle all their debts. And no, you are probably going to get good service when they move forward. Rob, not to put you on the spot, but uh, I did read your story. I, maybe we can speculate or we can read this up. Do we know if that debt is to outside forces or to other branches of the government? Uh, that I'm not too sure. Oh, okay. well, it will be outside. It, I mean, well, even I, if it's another branch of the government. It's yeah, I do understand it's still debt, but it's just like, uh, I think one part of the government own, uh, owing money to another part of the government is a bit of a different situation to you know, being kicked out of your location because you didn't pay rent to the landlord. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so I think, um, at least from our perspective anyway, for us, SAPO not working is perhaps an irritation. Uh, but for other people, it is critical. Uh, especially when you think about social grants and things like that. Yeah. Uh, those kind of payments. Postbank. Yep. So. I mean, and also the employees. Yeah. A lot of people just don't think about them. I think uh, there's a... 
I don't know what to call it a culture in South Africa. Where you get very frustrated with the people who are behind the desk when they just as much of a victim of the system as you are. It's the government that's the problem, not the person behind the desk. Yeah. And now I'm worried those people are out of work because their branch closed down. Yeah, look, it's, it's not going to get any better. Um, from what we've seen, or at least the numbers that the DA has shared, uh, SAPO is currently in court over the non-payment of... Uh, Rent, uh, there are currently over 341 cases against SAPO regarding non-payment. Uh, electricity has been cut off at 22 post offices. You don't sure. need electricity for posts. The, the, the system's always down anyway, so it's yeah. fine. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just not looking good at the moment. So Yeah, I... Hey, Man, remember when you used to go to the post office and get a letter, mm. and now you get nothing but isn't disappointment. The, isn't the post office still in uh, in courts because it wants to stop courier companies from sending packages under a kilogram? Yeah, because there, there is too what be a good fair, use of their resources. A, there is legislation that states that, um, but like most things in South Africa, the enforcement is where this fails. Um, also, I think your case probably falls flat on its face when you can't even pay do what you're your rent. Can't, you literally can't keep the lights on and you literally can't keep the doors open. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hopefully, I say hopefully the situation in Sopo can be turned around. At this point, I don't think it can be. Mm-hmm. I have some faith in ESCOM uh, because it affects every single South African, but because the post office is kind of one of those things that affects very few South Africans. Um, yeah, I well, don't see a resolution until you need in your until you need your car's license renewed. Yeah, right. Uh, moving on, this week, MultiChoice announced a new pon- uh, new partnership with Comcast's NBC Universal, um, as well as Sky, to create what I'm dubbing a Megazord streaming service for Sub-Saharan Africa. For Voltron, uh, the newly formed partnership will establish a new Showmax group, which MultiChoice will own 70% of, and NBC Universal will own 30% of. Uh, this new partnership will be known as EarthCo, but will trade at Showmax. Um, the new entity will have a 100% interest in Showmax, so essentially, MultiChoice and NBC Universal will own Showmax through this new company, EarthCo. Um, a statement from the MultiChoice group in a sense announcement wrote, the service will combine MultiChoice's accelerating investments in local content with an extensive pipeline of international content licensed from NBC Universal and Sky. This will be contemplated by third part, or, sorry, complemented by third party content from HBO, Warner Brothers International, Sony and others, as well as uh, live English Premier Football. In addition, we'll offer access to all the best African content, such as Showmax Originals and local content from multi-choices proprietary channels, including Zanzi Magic, uh, African Magic and Maisha Magic. Um, so, uh, new Showmax, I guess, although it's not really a new Showmax, it's yeah. still Showmax. Um, the it's more Showmax. Yeah, the platform Showmax. will be built off of Peacock, which is NBC, yeah. NBC Universal's streaming platform. Um, the transaction is expected to be closed by April 2023, and Showmax isn't going away in the meantime. Um, I believe I read a report that uh, Showmax will continue to operate right up until the new product is launched. What that will look like is mm. unclear at this point. This is very interesting for two reasons. One is that uh, there's still no way to legally watch what's it called, Showmax, and uh, sorry, Peacock yeah. uh, in America, which for those who don't know, because there's so many, Peacock is another streaming service and you just cannot get it in South Africa so hopefully we're assuming that content from Peacock will now be on Showmax and second of all a lot of HBO content is on Showmax is that going to cause an issue? Is no, that gonna so stay? they did say that okay. uh, it'll be complemented by um, the the content from HBO and mm. Warner Brothers and Sony well, so. that's, that's interesting it would be it would be cool. I don't know if it's good for consumers or bad, but it sounds good for us right now. If Showmax kind of becomes this place where you can get all the streaming services that aren't available in South Africa. And right now, if this goes through like we think it will, it will be HBO plus Peacock in South Africa. It's a, it's a very strange situation. Yeah. Like what I would like to see, though, is uh, HBO incorporated more wholly into Showmax. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right now, like we do get things like The Last of Us, yeah, the we day get some after things. it it's, yeah. it airs in the US. We 
ideally we'd just get everything yeah if it's on hbo it we launched, would want yeah. it like i mean so for instance like disney plus mm. as much as i load that service yeah uh, in terms of the the the, uh, the iteration we get here in south africa um I will say that, like when Moon Knight launched, it was yeah. available at the same only, time in South Africa. Not only that, we get a lot of stuff from Hulu on local Disney Plus because a lot of people don't know this. Disney also owns Hulu and Fox. Yeah, well, some and parts FX, of Fox. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, sci-fi. The biggest one I think was Prey, which I reviewed for the site. Yeah. Prey overseas um, in America and I think a few other countries was only on Hulu, but in South Africa and a few other third world countries. It was also on Disney Plus, so sometimes it's good to live here. You get a tiny thing like a new movie on a on a streaming service. So one thing that I am kind of worried about is that Showmax is going to get a price increase on the back of this announcement, um, just because of now the the incorporation of NBC Universal into the business with Earthco. Yeah. Um, I am concerned that they are going to increase the price. It's 99 Rand at the moment, which is, I think, among the more affordable in terms of streaming platforms. Uh, I know Netflix has the basic, which is yeah. the same price. Um, but I would argue that if we were to compare the <laughs> the offering from Showmax with Netflix, Showmax would win out yeah. just because it's 99 Rand and you get everything, whereas 99 Rand on Netflix gives you access to, I think it's one screen, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a very limited product. I wonder if Showmax will do a tier system where 99 Rand is Showmax and then you can pay an extra 30 Rand or whatever and then you get Peacock shows. I hope not. Well, just do Showmax and Showmax Pro. That's, well, just do that. Well, I mean, has any, has any streaming service done that? Um, I think... So Disney Plus in the US has the bundled deals where you get ESPN... Hot, and you get Hulu. Hotstar, hey, as no, well. No, no, oh, no. Sorry, sorry, not Hotstar. It's, it's a different one. Um, stars. Stars, yes. Yeah. That's what... Thank you, Robin. Stars with a Z. Yeah, in some territories, there's Disney Plus and then you can buy Stars or Stars is sometimes included in the... Again, this is very complicated. Man, and you know, if only there was... different in every country. If only there was like a system, right, where you could have access to a whole bunch of channels and then you can just flick through then, those channels. And you can pay one amount per yeah. month. And then when you flick through the channel, you just find something that you enjoy and then you stay on that channel until no, that I don't, I don't see that happening. This all Brenda. sounds cool. Uh, as long as DSTV Premium subscribers get free access to Showmax. Continued uh, yeah. free access. If that, if that doesn't happen, all right. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, we don't know when this is going to launch. Um, we don't know what the service is going to look like. Um, in the Sens announcement, it was said that because this is a deal in progress, they don't want to reveal too much, which is understandable. Um, but as soon as we have more information, we will, of course, let you know. Clinton, yes. you watched the new Rocky movie, except yes. it's called Creed now. It, it's so funny because I, I forgot how many Rocky movies there were. So I googled Rocky movies and all three Creed movies appeared underneath <laughs> them. So as far as Google is concerned, it is Rocky. So I saw Creed 3. Um, quick question. Have you guys seen Creed 1 and or 2? Yes. No. Okay, so I saw both when they came out. I remember enjoying them quite a bit. This new one I didn't really enjoy. Uh, I'm going to get that right out of the gate. Um, you can check out the full written review. I'm not going to go through the whole review beat by beat. I'm just going to give you the top level points. And also, I'm not going to spoil anything. All the reviews on Hypertext and all the discussions don't spoil anything. Um, unless we say so right at the top of the story in bold. So, the story of Creed 3 is that Creed, a titular character, he's basically on top of the world, he's the champ, uh, he's got a wife, he's now got a kid, and then along comes Jonathan Majors, who plays a character named Dame Anderson. And Dame is actually from Creed's past, they were kids together, and then something happened, they don't reveal it in the trailers, but they obviously showed it in the movie, where Dame gets arrested and he goes away for almost 20 years, and when he comes out, he says, I want to be the champ now. And then their box. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but I don't want to say more for spoiler reasons. And it, the story of this one, even though I just said it's so simple, it, it, it's weird. In the first, the first third of the movie is the best part of the movie because it sets up a lot of interesting plot lines and characters that you think are going to get progressed upon. And then the halfway comes uh, for the movie with is a, a big fight, and then all the other plot lines just fall away. I, I don't know what happened. Either the script was so bad that whoever was writing it forgot to go back and finish those plot lines, 
or in the edit, they just cut all of that out. I say in my review, this feels like a movie where 30 minutes were just gone and the audience didn't get to see that. And I really do think that's the case because if you watch the trailers and then you go watch the movie, you'll see there's a lot of stuff in those trailers that is just not in the movie. So this is speculation on my point. Um, I don't know if this is going to come out in the news you know, maybe when it hits streaming and everything and more people see it, or maybe now the, the movie launches today, the 3rd of March in South Africa, maybe people will go see it and they'll say, hey, that wasn't in the trailer. Why is that? It just feels like there's a large chunk of this movie missing. And if you remove these large chunks, the whole, you know, the whole show falls apart. Um, and, and then I, when I was speaking to somebody about this, they said, well, oh, the fight's good because... Maybe there's a lot of people who don't care about why people are punching, as long as the punching is good. And the fights are good in this. Um, so Michael B. Jordan is not only the main character of this movie, he's in 80% or 90% of the scenes, he's also the director. And he had a lot of influence over how the movie works, obviously, and he's not, not notorious, but he's famous for really liking anime. And before this movie came out... Um, it was, I don't know if he revealed it himself or another part of the cast said it, but the fights in this were inspired by anime. And you can kind of see that influence, but not really. And again, I make this point in the review. The reason a lot of fights in anime are memorable isn't just because of the animation. It's not just because of the choreography. It's not just because the punching is good. The reason a lot of fights in anime are memorable is because of the story around them. Yeah. And the, the reason, up. yeah, it's the build up. That's the whole point. The, the fight is supposed to be the apex of a story. And in this movie, the lead ups are so boring <laughs> and they, you just don't care. That That's where I'm getting to. Yeah, and I, I was skirting around it a bit there. I was dancing around it, a boxing term. Um, you, you just don't care about these people. And the main character again is Creed. And I, again, please go check out the review. In this movie, he's just a rich guy who like is sulking. He, the first time you see him, he's in this mansion and you can see the whole of LA. You know, the mansion could probably fit an entire village in it. Uh, he has like staff working for him, like maids and that. And it's like, this is the guy I'm supposed to be rooting for, the quote-unquote underdog. He drives around in a Rolls Royce the whole movie. He's dressed in suits that cost more than most people earn in a year. And then his old friend who's been in jail for a long time is like, I, I want a box now. And he's like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> I, I can't believe this movie misses. Sports movies are supposed to be simple. They try to put in all these extra layers. They forgot to progress those extra layers, so they just fall away after the first third. Is a bit of a mess. I I don't know what else to say. I think a lot of people will go see this movie and they'll come out and they'll say that's fun. But I think if you press people for say, you ask, why was the daughter character, why did they dedicate scenes to her fighting in school? And then she gets taught how to fight, which is again, is in the trailer. I'm not spoiling that. And then that never comes up again, ever. <laughs> they, they never bring it up. They seem to, to, to want to say, like a trauma is supposed to be like a big part of this movie and like forgetting your past and everything. And then they just never, they never address that. Everybody in the movie needs to go to therapy, but they don't. And it's just absolute moon logic where you can just punch people and that solves everything. Half of the characters in this movie should be in jail for assault, first of all. Yeah, if it sounds like I'm rambling, it's because that's how the movie is. It just rambles and it goes on. There's not enough fights and there's too much talking. But then again, the movie isn't actually that long. I don't know actually how long it is. Um, length. Typing very fast there. Come on. In. It's an hour 57 minutes. I really think this could have been two and a half. Or it, they should have gone back in the edit. They maybe should have taken some characters out, like the daughter character, which is a shame to say, because the young actress did such a good job Um all of her performance is in American Sign Language, and it's oh. it's a fantastic experience. I think she's maybe the best child performance I've seen in a while. Um, who isn't like an older person playing someone younger? This is a legitimate, you know, young person child. She puts in such a good performance, but for the sake of the rest of the movie, maybe she just shouldn't have been in there, or maybe this should have been rewritten, or maybe it should have been edited better. It just feels. Like the Rocky movies before it, it feels like this franchise is completely run out Why of steam. Why didn't they make the movie about the daughter rising up? Well, maybe that'll be maybe that'll be style. Creed Five, dude. Because you can't sell tickets with a deaf girl. You can um, sell tickets 
with two shirtless men punching the crap out of each other. I mean, Coda just entered the chat and disagrees with its Oscar. Well, there's going to be. Well, was Creed 3 going to win an Oscar? Okay, yeah. Points, <laughs> points, points. There's, well, there's going to be that Marvel, that Disney Plus show about um, Echo, I think the character's name is. Echo, Marvel. Live Googling people. Um, <laughs> yeah, Echo. That's going to be about a character who, I don't know if she's actually deaf or she has some. I don't know the, the terms of this. I'm just saying that's coming out this year. So, yeah, maybe maybe in 10 years there will be a Creed 5 and then she will be the main character. Um, sorry, just go back to my main point. It, like the other Rocky movies, it just feels like this is completely run out of steam. And I was looking up um, just some names of um, actors who are in this and I saw some news stories being like, oh, what's going to happen in Creed 4? I don't think there should be a Creed 4. I don't think there's anything left. I don't think there was enough to do a Creed 3. Take a break, though. Like, maybe that's what they should do. Like, what well, happened with Rock? When was the last Rocky film? So, Rocky like, Balboa was the last one. Was, yeah. Or Rocky 6 was 2006. Yeah. And then the first Creed... Was like 2015, 2016? 2015. So, that was a, a, a nine-year gap. Should there be a nine-year gap and then they do Creed 4? Why not? I mean, Michael B. Jordan is still pretty young. He could probably wait nine years and also, do another it one. it doesn't have to be Creed. I think we exactly. discussed this in the previous podcast. Yeah. That, like, maybe we look at someone else now. Yeah. A new generation of fighters. Exactly. Yeah. Like, surely Rocky Balboa might have had some family somewhere. Yeah. Some hidden family, also, you know? Also, he's got a son, right? Who has kids, I'm sure. Yeah. They can also... Something, I don't want to, maybe this is a bit too meta. It, it kind of feels like the entire sport of boxing has kind of been poisoned, particularly by the, the Paul brothers and all the YouTubers who think they're boxers now. To go into this and they're supposed to, you know, boxing's supposed to be this prestige thing. It's like, oh, I'm not a boxer, I'm, I'm a pugilist. This is supposed to be, but then you get YouTube. Oh, I was going to swear there. You get these YouTubers who are just in it to, you know. To the Jake Paul brothers. Yeah, and to make feet. money. And it's like, I don't, why would I care about boxing if this is what it's devolved into? Do the Paul Brothers or KSI feature in this No, thank all? goodness. It would have gone an instant zero out of 10 <laughs> if it's that. I don't want to ramble a bit longer. I just want to say, I think the environment we're in now is also against this movie. One, because of boxing. Like I said, it's just not seen as a prestige sport anymore. And no one should care about it if this is how it's presented to us. And the other thing, again, I have to talk about the main character, is it like got more money than God. And we're in a situation now where every year the economic situation for everybody gets worse except for billionaires. I must now come watch a movie where it's like this one percenter is like, oh, my life is so hard. My, my, my wife is so... They even say the, the, Tessa Thompson's character, she's like, oh, so I've got so many gold records, so, so many things. And then she says, oh, but my career didn't turn out how I wanted it to. What are you talking about? They're crying in you, a mansion. They, I, exactly. It's like, how can you expect us to care about these characters? And again, it's this environment that in the real world, things are getting so bad. You can't make a movie where you're saying, oh, this millionaire is like the best. It's like, because it's not. It's, we're in a different environment now. Yeah. And I know in some of the Rocky movies, he's got a ridiculous house and like a robot butler. But again, that was a different time. Um, and the last thing I want to mention, promise that that'll be the end of it. Um, when I was thinking about this, I constructed a straw man saying, oh, uh, you know, I'm complaining about this, but I'm going to go watch the next Batman movie where it's just a billionaire beating up, you know, mentally ill people in <laughs> Halloween costumes. I think there's a difference where those movies aren't set in our world. Creed and Rocky are set in our world. And I know it's not really because it's all fictional, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's completely removed. There's a big jump between... There's a boxer with millions of dollars and Batman. So I'm still ready to watch a Batman movie where it's a billionaire beating up mentally ill people instead of two rich people punching in a ring. That's my review of Creed. Go check out my full written review. It's a bit more nuanced than that. The Hisense HP 100 party speaker puts out a staggering 300 watts of sound from just four speakers. Offering up to 15 hours of playback and IPX4 waterproof grading on the top panel, the HP 100 keeps you partying even when the pool is splashing or ESCOM comes knocking. Get your party started with Hisense over on Hisense.co.za. Right. Uh, let's get into some um, South African news. Uh, on the 9th of February, 2023, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa declared a national state of disaster. 
uh, regarding the state of ESCOM and the energy crisis in the country. Uh, 18 days after that declaration, Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs and Kosasanid Lamini Zuma gazetted the, da- the disaster management regulations. Uh, we'll discuss these, but as a high-level overview, the regulations seek to fulfill four key objectives. These are to minimize the impact of load shedding on livelihoods, the economy, policing functions, national security, security services, education services, water services, food security, communications, and municipal services. In addition, it also seeks to reduce and manage the impact of load shedding on service delivery to support life-saving and specify critical infrastructure, enable the connection of new generation supply, and improve ESCOM's plant performance. One area that's highlighted in the regulations is the provision of water through water boards and municipalities. Um, A lot of these entities are going to be exempt from uh, the penalties incurred for exceeding the maximum demand during load shedding. However, these entities also need to revise their minimum operational levels. So if you're in an area where you experience water cuts when the power goes out, um, that should become a thing of the past. Hopefully, Um, but we'll talk about this at length uh, a little later. Um, Just as before we dive into a discussion, um, the list of essential infrastructure outlined in the regulations includes health infrastructure, including military health facilities, water infrastructure, including water treatment plants, rails and port infrastructure, food production and food storage facilities where feasible, and critical critical electronic communications and broadcasting infrastructure. So, uh, these regulations are very minimal in terms of how they affect the average South African. Um, There's there's not much here that's going to affect you, uh, unless you generate a lot of electricity, because uh, one of the provisions within um, uh, these these regulations is that... uh, it facilitates the sale of electricity generated by individuals, organs of state, or private institutions to licensed distributors. Um, so, City of Cape Town introduced this recently, where if you generate more electricity than you use, you can sell it back to the grid. And uh, all that you need to do is have installed specific infrastructure. Now, I say all that you need to do uh, is have this infrastructure installed. It's not that easy, and it needs to go through a whole bunch of... Um, checks and balances um what i wanted to know from you guys is whether we think that big entities like malls are going to keep their generators running overnight to generate electricity and sell it onto the grid do you think that that's something that's going to happen robin uh i think it probably won't happen purely for the fact that they are really only concerned about their business their Mm -hmm. location and the kind of stores and retailers that are operating within it Mm. their concern is not about the outer area yeah yeah i don't think it's a primary concern of theirs they have to keep their business in operation i mean there's no way in hell that the amount of money they're paying for petrol or diesel and upkeep will ever match how much they're getting for selling that electricity to the grid the only way i can see small to medium enterprises creating access electricity um, and they're not a company made to generate electricity mm. is if they're using solar because that's the only avenue I can see where you can quote unquote by mistake get extra electricity yeah. that you don't need and to sell on and maybe there's some fringe situations where you have a business that has to use a generator because it's it's crucial mm. but then your load for that day or that specific period is low but you still have to have the generator, so you sell it on. But that's probably going to be cents on what on whatever rand. So I mean, spending. like one thing that I could see is like uh, office parks, like the campus in Bryanston, which is a huge office park. But I mean, the other side of that is that that backup power system is designed specifically for that area. So like the idea, like you say, Clinton, I think the only way that we're going to see this happening is by people selling electricity from solar systems onto the grid. And that's not a lot, if we're honest. We're talking about like, not even, we're talking about watts at this point, mm. not megawatts. So, I mean, it's a nice idea. I don't know how effective it's going to be, especially like considering if a South African home is installing a solar system, you would assume that it's enough for that house. I don't know many people who are 
you know what? Let's let's buy twice the capacity yeah. we need. I I feel like splurging because these systems are already incredibly expensive. And I might be a cynic here, but uh, that kind of system that introduced for the Cape, Western Cape. Yeah. That hasn't been up and running for a long time. No, and it's not even up and running though. Let's yeah. be clear. It's something that they announced. That so we actually don't even know how quick the turnaround time is as far as recouping money back mm. from a new municipality. Yeah. Um, with all due respect, City of Joburg is not one to pay pay out quickly. Yeah. They'll request funds and quickly and, and, and yeah. let you know that the, the payment did you, and they'll cut you off very quickly. So I think only if there is a quick turnaround as far as uh, people getting back money for actually putting money putting uh, power back into the grid. That's when this probably has more value. For right now, I don't foresee it actually working out that way. And I could see this even being abused because what if you're somebody who's in charge of a shopping center that has a decent sized generator or generators and you say to ever your boss above you, we need X amount of petrol or diesel. And then when no one's looking, you run those generators to sell the electricity and then they put their bank account details into the refund thing and then the boss comes back it's like why did we use so much petrol this month it's like oh load shedding you know higher petrol so i can also see that how this can be abused it's just it's such a fringe benefit that it only really works in some kind of situation where most people and most companies have solar and they're generating extra by again by quote unquote mistake that's the only way I can see it. We're not at a mass yet where solar is so popular. I don't think anywhere in the world, except for like little gated communities where they do these things as experiments. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great idea whether it actually results in any change or any improvements to the grid, unknown. Um, but I do want to highlight something that I've spoken about before, but it, it, it concerns me a lot. So under Section 5 of the Gazetted Regulations, uh, it reads, excluding upgrades, refurbish oh, sorry, excluding upgrades, refurbishments, adjustments, and repairs of existing energy infrastructure and existing generation transmission and distribution facilities from the provisions of the National Environmental Management Act or any specific Environmental Management Act or any regulations published in terms thereof for the duration of the national state of disaster. What does this mean? So, essentially, ESCOM no longer needs to meet the minimum targets for emissions as a result of this. It's not explicitly said, but it, it means that ESCOM can be excluded or any activities that ESCOM or any energy regulator for that matter or any energy generation company, generation transmission, infrastructure, whatever it may be, um, any of that stuff is now excluded from the National Environmental Management Act. Why is this a problem? So, ESCOM is currently in the process of applying to bypass the flue gas desulfurization unit at Kusile Power Station. Um, this would bring uh, 2,100 megawatts of capacity to the national grid a lot faster, but at the cost of pumping eight times the sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere that ESCOM currently does. Uh, this is a major concern because these are effects that we're not going to feel either now, maybe in the next two years, uh, however, long, however long it takes to, to hit to get this crisis under control, but it is something that is going to affect us uh, much later down the line. Um, at the moment, it's estimated that oh, it's estimated that ESCOM sulfur dioxide emissions would increase to 80,000 tons just at Kusile by bypassing this uh, flu desulfurization unit. Um, and I think that's a massive concern, but probably of more of a concern is a little sentence at the end of or at the end of that specific section that reads, an activity which is permitted by an authorization or exemption granted in terms of regulations or directions issued during the national state of disaster remains lawful notwithstanding the termination of the national state of disaster. So, to interpret this in a way, because you can interpret legislation and regulations any way you can until a court interprets them and declares that that is the interpretation that's valid even then it's a complex matter but essentially what this means is that ESCOM could bypass the flue gas desulfurization units get an exemption granted to them now during the national state of disaster and then that would be valid moving forward into the future if somebody says no you don't need to do it anymore which is a major major concern 
Um, anybody that's had followed any news within the mining industry and knows about the silicosis matter that goes on, all the uh, adverse health effects that have been felt by miners now, after years, after working in mines decades ago, uh, will know that us ignoring our environmental objectives and our environment and safety sort of regulations, that's a dangerous game to be playing. Yeah. Um, we're now playing with the lives of South Africans. And a couple of people are probably going to say to me, oh, but you know, sulfur dioxide, it's not really well known what the, the, um, what the effects, the long-term effects of that are. And yeah, that might be true because it's very hard to find long-term uh, studies on the effects of sulfur dioxide on the human body. Um, but it's not good, right? The, the, the literature that's out there is, is, is really, really bad. Um, to give you an idea, long-term exposure to sulfur dioxide can lead to chronic bronchitis, asthma, a decline in pulmonary function, and other chronic ailments. Uh, so these aren't good things that can happen. And ESCOM just being given like a blank check to pump emissions into the air is very, very concerning for me. I don't know how you guys feel about this. Yeah, something I'm worried about as well. I agree with what, everything you said. Something I want to add to this is that I think the counter argument to a lot of this is this is just a band-aid for load shedding, right? They, government is, seems to be confident that the next two years are going to be really bad, but then after that, things will be fine, guys. Mm. So let's say we throw all the environmental cautiousness out of the window for two years. The assumption is after that, they'll bring back the measures to keep us safe. What's the saying? There's nothing more permanent than a temporary solution. Yeah. I'm worried about this is opening Pandora's box that even if that, that specific problem you're worried about, Brendan, even if that isn't an issue, the problem is that now we're just letting everything happen. Yeah. Just, just, just if you're making electricity, just go, just, just do it. I'm very worried about that. And again, even if we open the gates for two years, we have to shut them eventually or they stay open forever. And then we're even in a worse situation. So I agree with everything you said. I'm also worried about three years from now. Mm. Are we going to have no load shedding in three years? I highly doubt it. <sighs> but I'm very worried that we'll have no load shedding and terrible health-altering pollution. Yeah. Robin? Yeah, uh, hard to disagree with both of your sentiments. I think that we always kind of knew that when the National State of Disaster was going to, was going to be implemented that it was going to essentially give government organs and entities unfettered capabilities as far as doing what they saw fit uh, quote unquote fit um, to to kind of get more energy onto the grid um, so yeah it's it seems like they're quite happy to try and do whatever they can in the short term uh, but like Linton was mentioning I think the long term implications will come back to bite us in a decade or two yeah. something I'm also worried about is that I don't begrudge people for saying, yes, it's all bad, but less load shedding is more urgent than the pollution, right? Mm. So it's like, again, not to be dramatic, it's like, do you want to die at a hospital right now because they can't keep a ventilator on? Yeah. Or do you want to die of some mystery illness in 10 years? If you put it like that, it's like, man, I guess I have to take the 10-year option. Yeah. We're in such a bad situation. We have to accept that we're in such a bad situation that we have to make those calls and government in their endless wisdom has made the call for all South Africans and what, what can we do now? It just seems like the state of disaster is all framed around being able to get South Africa as much in as possible, as dirty as possible. Yeah, yeah literally because, dirty. <laughs> yeah, because although um, Renewable energy is obviously, and sustainable energy sources are better in, in the long term. They do take a lot longer to implement. Yeah. The reason why South Africa has infrastructure it does at, the, at its current state is because it's dirty and it's quick and it's kind of easier to get up and running. Whether or not it's sustainable is, uh, is obviously highly questionable. So one thing that this has uh, kind of or highlighted to me is uh, the conversation around just energy. Do you guys know about the just energy transition? Can't say I do. Okay, so just energy, Clinton, very simply, is the process of moving towards cleaner, more renewable energy without putting the people at the bottom of society under more pressure, okay. right? Because 
for instance, it's very easy for, like, let's take Sanson, right? If Sanson were to decide as a municipality, it was going to go off-grid completely. It would generate its own electricity, etc. Africa's richest square mile, as it's known, no longer an ESCOM customer. Where does ESCOM recoup that those funds? Through the uh, national NERSA, the National Energy Regulator of South Africa, which approves increases, which means that in a year's time after Sanson moves away from paying ESCOM, um, that means that ESCOM's fees go up, which means that the poorest of the poor end up paying more for electricity, yeah. while the richest people pay less for electricity. So yeah. just energy is the process of making sure that that doesn't happen. So, so sorry, Brendan, why you describe it? This has always been a worry that people have ever since last year when they announced that um, they would be losing the restrictions mm-hmm. for people to generate power. That has always been the worry. That is also the massive worry with um, privatizing ESCOM yeah. or privatizing the grid because then they can charge whatever they want. Yeah. And yeah, that. so you've just described it to me. I think that's you've given a name to a fear that a lot of people yeah. have had so, for a I long mean, time. It's, it's something that's been a conversation that's happened around a lot of civil society groups. Uh, ESCOM itself talks about just energy transition. Government talks about it a lot as well. But in these regulations, funnily enough, there's no mention of the just energy transition. It's, like you say, temporary fixes mm. that become long-standing solutions. Um, and my concern is that we just abandon our just energy transition um, in pursuit of this. And ultimately, we would get to a point where ESCOM is so hard up for customers, it's charging like 10 rand a unit for Or it just collapses. Because again, if we... And I know I, I'm not specific on the law, but I know that the South African government isn't saying if you get a big enough company, you can replace all our electricity needs, even though that would be a great solution. Um, a worry is that um, if a big, com- a big enough company comes along or small, uh, several smaller companies come along and they say, we're going to generate South- um, electricity in South Africa, then what does ESCOM do and what... You, what incentive do these companies have to offer cheap electricity to everybody, not just the poorest of the poor, but everybody? Um, is electricity going to become a luxury good in South Africa? I mean, it is now. Just, if we're talking about <laughs> scarcity, it is a luxury good in South Africa. So, again, it's, it's lots of worries that we don't have the answers for right but, now. So, further to this, though, um, this morning on Friday, uh, governments held a media briefing regarding this gazette. So let, let's just play the timeline out here, right? Early January, we start hearing uh, rumors about a potential state of disaster regarding uh, ESCOM and the energy crisis. Beginning of February, 9th of February, President Ramaphosa declares a national state of disaster. Um, end of February, we get the regulations gazetted. Uh, today, 3rd of March, we now get government discussing the regulations. Like, I understand that government is full of old people, but do we need to move so slowly on this? Like, we were talking about this earlier, Robin, when it was uh, the state of disaster for COVID-19. Like, one day, declare a state of disaster. Next day, you can't buy booze. Yeah. Like, this, the rate this is moving doesn't, I think, to me, betrays the seriousness of the matter. Yeah, I think it and also, it's the complexity, because I think things that were happening during COVID, South Africa could take inspiration from other countries and experts from other countries. The situation we have in South Africa around no chilling and power generation is unique to us. So they can't just say, what's the the World Health Organization doing about this? What what are other countries doing about this? They're not dealing with it. Well, I I say that there are actually some other countries that do have load shedding. Mm. Um, But the problem is electricity generation is... I don't want to say it's more complex. Well, than our, COVID. our problems are—it's less our, universal. Our than problems COVID. are unique because mm. we knew that this was coming. Yeah, um, and Man, government that's just the ignored part. the 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 plans that were were laid out for it. So, I mean, our 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 situation is unique because it is brought on by corruption and failure of maintenance and running power stations until they go to the brink. It's it's almost like we're like. Hey, I broke this thing, this new toy that I had. Oh, well, did you use it for longer than 10 years? Yes. Well, what did you expect? Of course it's going to break. You must now deal with your consequences. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of problems that contribute, contribute to this, but the urgency from government just isn't there. As a citizen, I'm just like, uh, there's a state of disaster around electricity. 
Cool. I'm still stuck with stage five load shedding. Yeah, what's the schedule for today? That's more important to me yeah. than... I wouldn't frame it as a lack of urgency. I would say that it, it's more that government is doing as it sees fits. Mm-hmm. So there is really no need for us to brief the public about what's happening. We're going to do what we see fit. And you, there's really actually nothing you guys can do about it. We get to go home to our Literally. generated homes. With, I mean, with COVID, for example, people could, could go outside of their houses and, and, and freely interact and stuff like that and yeah. spread the virus. Yeah. There isn't that risk when it comes to the power grid. Well, if you yeah, had a lot of money, you could just make your own electricity. I mean, that's what you're doing with the generator, right? Yeah. So, um... <sighs> For the average South African, not much is going to change. Um, On 1st of March, a rebate came into effect where you can claim 25% up to 15,000 Rand on an installation of solar panels as long as they are new and have never been used before the 1st of March. I so, mean, so two solar panels essentially. I mean, the yeah, pricing is, the pricing of I don't know solar where they panels. Twenty five percent rebate from. Yeah, uh, it's it, it, it's very expensive to uh, install solar, but it is the route that many South Africans are going. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think a lot know. of South Africans are renting. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people or homeowners are installing so- solar. Um, yeah, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I mean, the other thing is, is that I saw reports this week that one of ESCOM's chairpersons or the chairman of the ESCOM board urged people to install solar power. And I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard from a company that sells electricity. Hey, as a temporary measure, please, please install this permanent solution. That's like, that's like your internet provider saying, uh, here's two cans and some string. We recommend speaking to your friends no, like that instead of using the internet. It's worse than that, Clinton. It's your, your fiber service provider turning around and saying, listen, we're going to have an outage for a little while. Please use your mobile network operator who offers cheaper data. Is, uh, you'll recoup your funds faster there and the, the speeds are faster. It, it, it's that silly. Yeah. Like, obviously, our mobile networks are not that. But yeah. it, it's, it's the equivalent of that to me is that, hey, we, the people who provide electricity and need you to buy electricity so we can keep running, we want you, the richest people who are likely using the most power, to move away from us and yeah. stop stop well, paying us. I think it's it's again it's anything to reduce the load on the grid. They are saying to rich people who can afford to buy it and who you know can take that off their tax or whatever, hey, don't you want this little like reward uh, to like incentivize you? And then they might do it just, you know, out of maybe it is for the money gain, even though it's not a money gain, it's a money loss. Maybe it's for the clout of saying, Oh, I got this rebate, I have solar or whatever. They just want to do anything to get less to get people off the grid, so the strain is less and load shedding can go down. Yeah. Again, it's it's the whole thing. It's the whole topic of this discussion. What can we do right now? Quick and dirty. What's going to help? This is one thing that will help a little bit. Yeah. Um, but let's see how this plays out over the next couple of months. Um, we have no idea how long the said disaster is going to be in effect for. Um, yeah, government can extend it as we saw during COVID. They can just extend it as they wish. Um, I am very concerned about the environmental implications of what we're doing here at the moment. Um, yeah, it's very concerning for the people who live around these power plants, uh, for the, our, un- our planet as a whole. Uh, we've learned so many times with global warming, there is no contained disasters in yeah. the environment the environment is built to be cyclical where every part in, interacts with every other part yeah it's not just that the people near the power stations are going to get it bad even though they will get it bad eventually it hits all of us so yeah. I, i've never understood this kind of a isolationist um thinking when it comes to these disasters it's going to get you eventually yeah. you might get a few more years it's like i said you want to die now because there's no ventilator in 10 years from a mystery illness it's like peeing it's in going a to pool get you everybody, yeah. get everybody, everybody. Gets, it doesn't dissolve the peas <laughs> in the water guys <laughs> it's the same as uh greenhouse gases folks they there um yeah so uh, let's see what happens over the next couple of months uh, it does not look good we're not all that confident um yeah let before we end off let's say late 2025 right that will be the two years would have elapsed since the government said it's going to be bad for yeah. two years late 2025 where do you think we'll be stage eight load shedding permanently yeah it will be bad it will be not great yeah. they'll, 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 they'll just shift the 
the argument saying yeah. it wasn't as bad as it was two years ago. It's now just slightly bad. Yeah, I now think I have stage eight of thirty-two. Yeah, stages. I, I think late twenty twenty-five. There's two options. One, there has been something catastrophic happening, like a civil war, civil unrest due mm-hmm. to even higher. Again, we didn't even mention that news that came out this week that ESCOM was working on schedules higher than eight. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention. Everything happens all the time and it's all terrible. We don't even have time to mention all the big bad things. Those jokes about blowing our candles are actually going to come true. Yeah. yeah. I think late 2025, after the two years elapsed, two things are going to happen. One, there would have been some kind of massive civil unrest, civil war. A new party comes in. Hey, the rest of the world thinks that we're at that already. Something, I know, I know. Something like that's going to happen and load shedding will be the least of our problems if we're all still here and alive. Again, I don't want to be alarmist. I'm just, I'm looking at this through... um, The worst possible scenario. Or two, the private companies who were given the go-ahead by the lack of uh, regulation around this have finally got their stuff set up and we still have load shedding, but... At most, it goes to like stage two. That's the positive side. There is one alternative. What? Elections next year, ANC lose majority. Uh, what if a new, I don't want to say any, what if a new political party comes in and they say tomorrow, they bad still, stuff they happens. They inherit the same problems. Yeah, no, yeah but absolutely. I mean, but I'm, I mean, like, I, again, I don't want to be alarmist. I'm worried another political party is going to come in and they're going to say, it's law. You can just like take your neighbor's house. And then there's a civil unrest. That's what I'm worried about. I want the ANC out. I'm just worried there's some bad actors in the government who are given more power. Here's my thing, though, is that um, better the devil you know is something that my parents used to say. And I dislike that saying very much. You know what? If, If it's going to take us having some sort of civil unrest to upend the rampant rampant and pervasive corruption that has taken hold of this country to the point where it like it's just something that is so normalized yeah i know i I don't want to get too much into this right now but i do want to say that i don't disagree with you i think it's going to happen eventually maybe it won't happen while we're alive but now i want to get to this if there's civil unrest the three of us maybe might, might of south africa might not even be alive yeah. But in two years' time, which is very scary. And I don't mean because of pollution or anything. If there's civil unrest, people will die. And if there's a large scale civil unrest, like a civil war, are you willing to die to like in a war or are you going to find a way to flee the country? And that's a very uncomfortable uh, talk that a lot of South Africans are going to say. Next year is election year. Do you have a plan to leave the country? And for a lot of people, they don't. So. I yeah, do they not. Got, got very heavy at the yeah, end. Yeah, got there. very heavy. Let's move <laughs> let, on. Let, let, um, let's let's end the podcast. Let's, let, uh, let's hope have that to go uh, home and have a fifth of vodka. Yeah, let's hope that nothing gets as bad as we have outlined here. Um, but next year, votes in the elections. Uh, hopefully, the political party parties have their heads or, or screwed on straight, mm. um, and they have some viable solutions to the problems. Um, ANC bad is not a political tactic. Democratic Alliance. Okay, New. you you need to have some uh, some actual like policies in place. Um, and don't tell me to go, go and read our website. No, you're campaigning. Campaign, right? If you're a political party and you're go and read our website to see our policies. No, no, right? Get up there, campaign hard, do the work that we would expect from you to do in Parliament. Um, South Africa is fed up. We are all fed up. Um, and on that positive note, uh, that's going to wrap up our Africast this week. Once again, thanks so much to Hisense for sponsoring this edition of the Africast. Uh, we've got one more ad for you at the end of this. Um, but from myself, Brendan Lodge, cheerio from Robin Nichetti. Take care, everyone. And from Clinton Massos. New boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> Bye, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. With the summer months drawing to a close, the colder weather will surely push us all indoors. This makes it the perfect time to consider upgrading your TV sound system to the Hisense U5120G. Featuring booming bass and at the same time startling clarity, a Hisense soundbar can take you from binge watching to cinema style viewing without plugging in a single cable. Find out how to upgrade your living room by visiting hisense.co.za.